When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined by Shaka Hislop and Stevie Nicholl. I think you're a bit happiest, maybe a smile on your face, Stevie, considering what we saw earlier today, Liverpool actually win a game. Uh, let's take you through exactly <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> Finished about an hour ago. I don't an hour. Oh, Stevie, be happy. Uh, the lights would go out early on in this one. Hey! Uh, fortunately, they would return soon after. VAR, though, didn't work as a result, apparently. Uh, not that it was needed, really, for the only goal of the game, and it would come in the 13th minute. Harvey Elliott from a long way out, making it 1-0. Well, it's a great strike, but Shaka, talk yeah. me through the keeper. Um, I'm, I'm finding it hard to explain how Saar gets beaten here. He, he's backtracking, so can get nothing on his jump. He can't get the reach to it. Um, it's a basic goalkeeping error from an experienced goalkeeper. Uh, three minutes later, Simicast with the opportunity to make it 2-0. Can't hit the target, though. Yeah, I mean, he's got to hit the target. you plenty of pace on it, but it doesn't matter if you don't stick it between the sticks. It's kind of summed up Wolves' season, really. Struggling in front of goal. Troy with a chance. Yeah, all, all you can do is, is hope to be careful for pace as well. I and mean, he's screws his effort wide. Uh, Ruben Neves with the opportunity here going over. It shows you, it shows you how much Chelsea Wolves were struggling to create anything when we were showing that. Yeah. Because Keller had it covered. Uh, into the uh, 78th minute we go. Wolves still trying to get that equaliser, the header here over the bar. Yeah, and this is probably the best of their efforts. I think Gomez does really well. He gets the touch of ticket over the crossbar. I mean, that was it, right? Yeah. Uh, and then Cunha, of course, it cost Wolves a lot of money. Uh, not for that. Yeah. I mean, again, it's decent defender and it's ah, half a chance at best. So it finishes at Liverpool 1, Wolves 0. Liverpool then through to the next round to face Brighton uh, in the fourth round uh, next week. For more on this, let's welcome in, shall we, Frank LaBeouf. Oh, look who's on <laughs> FA Cup duty once again. Nader <laughs> is with us. This, of course, meant him against Klopp part two after Klopp questioned whether or not he played. Uh, let's see how that interview went. Good evening, sir. How are you? It's good to see you. And Jordan Henderson as well. And Jordan Henderson, yeah. Listen, it's, you don't need to apologise. But you don't know about my career. No, I know about your career. 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 But anyway, thank you very much for this. Um, so obviously you made a few changes today, but he brought a good performance and obviously a good result. So I, I assume that you're quite happy. I am, I am, with pretty much everything about the game, so the way we, uh, the way we defended, the way we played, so a lot of stuff was really good, the goal, the goal we scored, obviously that's what you need then, to not go uh, to, to extra time or whatever, you need uh, one who makes a good decision, a very good decision, Harvey obviously saw something not a lot of people in the stadium saw in that moment, uh, top goal, but apart from that, um, I think if you put together our like 
compare our last two games right now and the last one, I'm not sure you would realize that it's the same kind of sport. Um, and we needed to show reaction, and tonight the boys did. Were there any standout players or performances individually that you'd like to mention? I, would, I have to mention all 11, but I know what it's about. The goal from Harvey is exceptional. Um, then the, the oldest on the pitch and the youngest on the pitch were exceptional. I think Millie um, set the tone um, and Stefan played a, a nice game <laughs> in a really difficult situation. Um, but I cannot. Nabi was and Costas against um, Traoré is obviously not a, a super nice job to do. Um, Senahas were good. I really like that. Cody up front kept the ball for us in super important connecting with everybody. After that short period, played the third position now since he's here in the third game. And um, no, I liked, I liked the game and I liked the reaction and that's what we needed. After the Brighton game, you mentioned going back to basics, but that could mean so many different things for different managers. What does that mean to you and what did you see today from the team? Yeah, no, um, basics mean... So, and that I said after the Brighton game um, that I take full responsibility. That doesn't mean and I tell that I think when a player is not winning a challenge, I tell them, I'm sorry, my fault. But it's about my job is to help the team and that means I have to find a, a lineup and a formation where the players feel comfortable with, where they have the, the distances and, and then they have to fill it with life if you want and um, for tonight obviously uh, we were really compact we were always there together we were brave in our in our defending without going nuts being too high out stuff like this and I, the, the, in a game like this I think it's very important that Nibes, Moutinho these guys get not constantly on the ball and can do what they want I thought we did that really well Cody around Neves Stefan and the other midfielders more around Moutinho but it's not man marking it's just knowing what do they want want to do and um, we didn't do that against Brighton tonight we did that and final question so when your team isn't doing well and I think you mentioned the game against Brighton was probably the worst performance you've had in your time at Liverpool no in my time in, my in career in your career okay sorry uh, listen you don't need to apologize to me <laughs> but with that do you then feel pressure to lift the players or do you have players in the team who can lift themselves both I don't feel pressure to lift them it's just again I have a job to do it's not that I'm here to 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 carry whatever um, trophies or, or these kind of things it's that the job of a, of a coach and a manager is um, to help the team that's why I feel uh, when we lose massively responsible and when we win not so much that's the truth but um, it's no problem nobody have to, has to worry about that it's just um, the moment after a game and you lose against Brighton and you play a game like that so that's difficult to find the right answers it's seven eight nine people ask you questions and you stand there and you're still in kind of a shock if you want um, but thank God you can have a night's sleep and maybe sometimes you need another night's sleep and then football next opportunity next game next opponent next chance all these kind of things and that's what we have to get in ourselves again everybody's disappointed with us we are disappointed with ourselves it's a situation that's fine for a moment but then everybody needs to lift. And now I'm really looking forward to Chelsea game. Not because I think now we are there, not at all. But for our people, it was really important that they saw that game tonight. And they were exceptional. They were exceptional, our supporters. So now we come home for a game and now they know what they are fighting for, what they can wait for and not thinking, oh my God, yes. I'm not sure to go there. And um, now we will fight together through this. And whatever we will get, we will get. And if we lose, we lose. But then at least with the way we understand and not thinking, uh, what was that? Yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much. I preferred it when he hated you, Naden. <laughs>
<laughs> I bet you did, Dan. I bet you did. <laughs> well, at least it was shorter then. Goodness me. <laughs> no, you know, overall, it is interesting. And, and obviously, the Chelsea game is a priority. You could see that in his team selection here today. But that win, no matter that it was just the one goal, just seems to give everyone a big lift. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, he mentioned it himself. Just because they won today doesn't mean they're going to win against Chelsea, but it's a step in the right direction. When he references the fact that that game against Brighton was his worst in his managerial career, you know, you want it to be better. You can't continue to slide in the way that they were doing. So then he gave some players today some time, game time. Some of those guys might not play on the weekend, but it's a positive feeling. It's a positive moment on the bus when they're travelling back together to Liverpool, when they arrive at training tomorrow or the next day. You know, there is a sense of positivity instead of the doom and gloom that was there after that Brighton performance. And so, you know, he understands the game. He's managed, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of times. And he, and he gets it. This, is a big, this was a big moment for them. They're in the next round of the Cup. And it's a chance for them to be able to retain a trophy. I think most people say that the Premier League's done. Obviously, they're a chance with the Champions League. But the FA Cup's right there for them. And if they can hit form at the right time, then who's to say that they can't retain that, that title? Is it really a big moment, Stevie? Wolves could have played all day and not scored. <sighs> Listen, if you're in, if you've been involved in Liverpool recently, it is a big moment because they've been that bad. And Klopp's not going to come out and say that, that performance against Brighton was the worst of his career, unless it was really bad. That means there's a little bit of a crisis because that's let's be honest. Right now, Liverpool's first team is going through a crisis. So this performance, never mind that it was against Wolves. It doesn't really matter who it was against particularly. It was about the way they went about it. And as I, I was saying earlier, some, you know, had Liverpool played a fourth division side and won 10-0 today, that really wouldn't have made much difference going into Saturday. What today did was give everybody confidence because the, there was back to basics that they were talking about. There was a desire and a fight and a commitment. But hardly any of those players are going to play against Chelsea. But that, but then... Again, that's not really the point. The point is, is that all the so-called first-teamers who were sat and watching this game, that's how you do it. You need to remember that's how you win games. When you're not at your best, that's how you win. By covering your mate, you do your own job and then you cover the guy next to you. That's not what Liverpool's first team has been doing. Number one, they haven't been doing their own job. And number two, they haven't been covering their mate. And so there's been holes everywhere. You never saw any holes tonight. Yes, it's against a team that's not particularly creative. But the fact is, they got it done and they did it in a certain manner that Liverpool haven't been able to do. I don't know, Shaq. This is all feeling very Liverpool TV. -y. Um, it's, it's a big moment <laughs> because of how poor Liverpool were against Brighton. But it's a second string side against a right. Wolves oh, team who were changed as yeah, well, priority of safety. But to, to, to that point, to, to, to that point, whenever anybody wins, regardless of who plays, there's a, a bit of a feel good at, at the club. And, and let's be honest, Liverpool are short of feel good moments. That being said, I, I think this feels bigger because of how poor they were against Brighton. And you come out against a Premier League team and you're resolute and you roll your fingers up and you throw yourself in the way of things and you keep a clean sheet. So that has a bit of an effect on everybody, not just those who played, those who may, may feature against Chelsea. The, the only caveat to that is 
is that I feel as though we've almost been looking for feel-good moments for Liverpool all season long. We've always been looking for that result or that performance that we could say, this shows that they've turned the corner. And there's just been far too many false dawns. Maybe because of, again, because of how bad it was against Brighton, this proves to be that one, but I'm not getting carried away and just yet. Unfortunately, we couldn't do it, but let me tell you something. Because you, you don't really believe this feel-good factor stuff. I th You're kind of poo-pooing it. I'm not, I'm not I, wish, I just feel like we're stretching a little no, bit. No, I, we're I wish, positives. I wish we could have sent Nadam to training yesterday morning when they all got off the bus to go to training or come out, come out the changing rooms. And I wish we could send Nadam on Friday morning to training and see them all coming out the changing rooms. You talk about a completely different atmosphere. That, that, is, that is where you'll see it and that's where you would feel it. Because right now you're poo-pooing this feel-good factor. Frank, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank what you. What about the training? And, uh, <laughs> I completely, I don't, I don't agree with the guys. Uh, I think uh, uh, if I'm a, a Liverpool first-team player, I lost against Brighton and I've been horrendous. It's not because my teammate did well uh, and won the game away from home without me that I will feel good about it and uh, relieved that uh, that is going to be better for me. No, I'm going to be even even more under pressure. Uh, to, uh, to, uh, to make sure that uh, my status is still there and that I, I can prove that I'm still a good player. Um, it's going to give pressure to the players we didn't play today and we'll have to perform to make sure they, they should be in the first 11. And um, I love the enthusiastic spirit of uh, Mr. Klopp and, and, and Stevie and even Chaka, but I think the players who have been horrendous again lately uh, we'll have to prove against Chelsea that uh, they're not healing uh, yet, they're that uh, they're not sick anymore, and they're still back to the best because their friends, their teammates, uh, won uh, against uh, uh, poor Wolves and uh, without them. So it's why I disagree. I like the spirit what so you try to if bring about collective sport, and I want to believe it, but I don't believe it. So it makes no difference if they got beat two 0 It makes no difference. Oh uh, yes, it would have made it would have make a big difference in the other well, way so around. How can it, how can it not make a difference when they win? But if they got beat, it would have made a difference. How is that possible? Oh, because because it could have put them under a bigger pressure because they didn't win again because it represents the club. So it gives no, it gives the relief it, maybe to the to the club, but it doesn't give a relief to the player. The player they will have to prove they've been bad. And it's not because that their friend, their teammates won, that they're going to get better. They have to prove it. And I tell you, they're still sick. They've been, they've been, uh, they've been horrendous for a while. Well, luckily for them, they're going to play another team who is uh, as sick as they are. So, well, let's see, who is, uh, who is not with doubts. Because Chelsea won against Crystal Palace, uh, but mainly with the first team, and not with uh, the B team. Uh, Nadam, anything you'd like to say before you let it get warm? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with Stevie on this because, you know, if we say that the win doesn't matter, then, like, what would a poor performance and a poor defeat have meant for them going into the weekend? You know, that training ground when they arrive tomorrow, like, 
there are no positives if that was to be the case. You'd have more issues. You'd be thinking, well, how do I lift the players? And there were players who did play today who will get game time on the weekend. So to be able to be out there on the field and to win, like the winning mentality carries so, so far. Like I've played with players who if they won in a training game on a Friday, were in great confidence for the Saturday. Like winning within football can be everything. And when we look at how bad a performance they had in, this, in the fixture in the first leg, sorry, in the first game, you know, they were horrendous. From there, like they got the draw, but I think the Wolves players were thinking, well, they deserve to do more. But then for Liverpool today, they've gone out there after a very bad game on the weekend. Some players have played particularly well, and there were certain patterns and combinations which have, you know, put them through in this round. And they've dug in, they've gone back to basics. And as I say, the build-up to this Chelsea game is far different now compared to what would, ha what would have happened if they would have lost and played badly. And don't get me wrong, might not make any difference come that result, come Sunday or Saturday, whenever it is. But the fact is, you want to go into work after a win because that Brighton game now, it just feels that little bit further in the past because the things you can talk about are the last win which you got where you worked hard together and managed to get something from the game. Just because Jürgen apologised to you, Nathan, uh, that has changed the whole tune. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Steve's got, got you to training on Friday. Enjoy yeah. that, Nathan. Much appreciated, Nathan. So the draw complete for the fourth round then of the FA Cup. Southampton take on Blackpool. Wrexham, of course, looking to make it into the fifth round. They take on Sheffield United, Manchester United against Reading, and it's Derby against West Ham. All these games live on ESPN Plus, no doubt, which is the marquee tie. Manchester City taking on Arsenal. What a cracking match that should be at the Etihad. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's been a relatively quiet January transfer window up to now, of course, unless you're Chelsea, who broke the bank once again. 100 million is the report that they've spent in total on Mudrik, the 22-year-old, who for a lot of the time looked like he was heading to Arsenal. For more on that, James Olley joins us as well. Frank's there as well. Uh, James, you're in a really good article over on the website, kind of talking about how they hijacked this deal. For people who maybe don't have the attention span to read that, can you just summarise how it all happened? Uh, Chelsea essentially agreed to what Shakhtar wanted in a nutshell. Um, Arsenal had been negotiating for several weeks. They always said that they wanted this 100 million euro uh, price tag uh, satisfied. And it was a question of how a club was going to do that, whether it was going to be a fixed fee with add-ons and what that composition would look like. And essentially, Arsenal got to a point where they negotiated a 70 million euro fee up front and then they were negotiating on the finer points of the 30 million um, add-ons and and exactly what would trigger those, whether it be based on Premier League performances, Champions League performances, individual goal tallies, all those sort of things. And as really, as those negotiations were going on over that 30 million and what it would look like, once that 70 million initial payment had been um, agreed between Arsenal and Shakhtar, that was the point at which Chelsea went in and said, OK, so we know you're going to accept 70 and actually we're fine, essentially, with almost all of the add-ons in the composition that you want them, so we'll do the deal. And it moved extremely quickly once Chelsea got involved. There were a number of other factors. Chelsea had been monitoring the situation up until that point. They'd been in contact with Shakhtar at the back end of December. They'd also spoken... Um, to the player with the with the acquiescence of, of the club. So they kind of knew that they could um, convince the player to join them if they found an agreement with Shakhtar. But when they did decide to get involved, it, it was very fast. And it really came off the back of the injury situation worsening. I think they've got 10, maybe 11 first-team players out injured now. Obviously, Hal Felix, that was another deal that actually had a knock-on effect for Mudrik because they didn't really think they were going to do the Hal Felix deal. He was offered to... Uh, Arsenal and Manchester United and Chelsea um, from Atletico Madrid as a loan deal in January. Chelsea were lukewarm on it and then they decided to move. That happened very fast. And then Felix obviously has his debut at Fulham, plays brilliantly for an hour, then gets sent off. He's banned for three games. He's kind of added to the to the uh, unavailable list. And they wake up Friday morning thinking, actually, we're really in danger of missing out on the top four here. It's now or never for Mudrick. Let's go and do it. Uh, who had the private jet ready, James? Who was there for him with that? Well, Chelsea, Chelsea were the ones that took up the private jet and they flew to Turkey to, to do the deal face-to-face. And um, I'm told that the negotiations started and finished in a matter of um, about five or six hours. So it really, and considering a deal of this size, that is a, a really short time to, to negotiate um, a transfer like that. So um, as I say, we're, 
when Chelsea decide to move, they, they really do not hang around. And, and, and Arsenal, I think, were caught off guard because they made so much of the running in this negotiation. And they repeatedly told the players' camp, my understanding is that they told them, that, look, we will get this sorted. We will get a deal over the line. Don't worry, you are coming to us. Uh, and I think they were blindsided just by the sheer scale and size of Chelsea's bid and their willingness to, to accept what Shakhtar were demanding. Wow. Uh, Frank, it's the first time you've been on since this deal has been done. Do you like it? I do like it. I heard uh, Stevie saying that it was a gamble, and I agree with him, but uh, let's say that every player that you sign, especially for this Hammond, will be a gamble, because if he gets injured you know, the day after, of course, you're going to lose all the money. Well, you know, I'm happy to, to hear, and it's, uh, it's more joke than anything else, I know. I'm happy to, to hear for once that Chelsea was fast, you know, and I hope uh, they would be that fast, you know, on the field uh, to score goals, you know, that would be great, you know. But <laughs> oh, uh, you're, you're, uh, the thing such is, humor, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> now, the thing is, is I think he's a, he's a great player, uh, he has a great future. Uh, we don't know that much about him. If uh, two big clubs are finding uh, about him, it's because it, it was something great. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him playing with the Blues. Uh, I guess he's going to play on the left side. Um, but that type of player, we kind of have those players at Chelsea already. Uh, even if some are injured, we know those players. I'm still looking for, you know, for a striker. I'm still looking for a midfielder, uh, a defensive midfielder. And it's where Chelsea has to put the money down. But uh, let's say it's a good signing for sure. Uh, hopefully it's not going to be a bad gamble, as TV said. James, who's running the show? Does Potter have any sort of input as to who they sign? <laughs> I did think it was quite interesting that after the Palace game when... Um, journalists got a chance to speak to Graham Potter that they just said, you know, how did the deal happen? And he pretty much said, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I thought that was, quite, <laughs> that was quite, quite instructive. Look, I mean, he's obviously not involved in the, in the negotiations. He, the club will tell you that he has an active role in identifying players. Uh, he's certainly in, in the conversations around recruitment, but they have hired an awful lot of um, backroom staff and some recruitment individuals, Paul and Stanley, um, with... Bedadek Bali was were the two that went out to Turkey to negotiate the deal with Shakhtar. Todd Bowley, although he stepped down from this sporting director role, he is still around. They've hired one or two others as well. They've got probably five or six who are doing these negotiations. So there are a lot of voices in that club at the moment who, and I think that is leading to a little bit of a scattergun approach in the market. I think that's why you see suddenly Chelsea coming in for, I've seen a report tonight, I don't know how much truth there is in it, Orlando Trostard from Brighton, that's a new name. But it just would be added to a very long list. And I mean, how many forwards can they really sign? And even, again, going back to Graham Potter, I think it's indicative that even he is saying, look, you know, when everybody's fit, we've now got about yeah. 30 players on the books. There's just, this is just unsustainable. And I think what's definitely going to happen in the summer is there will be a proper fire sale at Chelsea. I think they're going to be quite aggressive in moving players out. They're going to have to be, really, because they are trying to sign a, a, a new squad, a young squad, a very expensive squad in a very short space of time. And they're going to have to move out a lot of players because there's going to be just a lot of, a lot of them who may, as it stands, not even be registered for the second half of the season, but certainly will not have a future beyond the summer. How much patience do they have with Potter, James? 
Well, they are quite adamant that they want to change the the, the, the culture, the habitual player power, player power culture at Chelsea, which was so prevalent under Roman Abramovich. And, and you know, we saw it time and again with managers, even how successful they were. Jose Mourinho wasn't uh, exempt from it that eventually the players got tired of it. They downed tools. They sort of circumvented whoever the coach was at the time and went straight to the owner and the manager was the, was the guy who, who, who made way. And they're trying to change that. They are adamant that they want Graham Potter to be their man on a long-term deal. He's obviously signed a long-term contract himself. They're signing players to six, seven, eight and a half year contracts in some cases and Mudrick's contract, in contacts. That obviously is something to do with financial fair play so they can stretch the you know, the payments out over a longer period of time. But they want Graham Potter to be be the mainstay and to really, with this group of core of young players, be there for the long term. The problem, of course, is that he's going to have to get results in between now and the summer. And really, mm. if they're languishing in 10th place for another three, four, five, six weeks, you, you do... It's all well and good having a long-term plan, but there comes a point where you have to win football matches. And at the moment, they don't look like doing that on a consistent basis. And that is a concern for him. But but as it stands, he's, they want him to be there for the long term. It's a point that Frank has brought up, James, in the sense that this season's done for, for Chelsea. What are they going to achieve? So what is a successful season between now and the end of the season from Potter? Well, it's fourth, isn't it? I mean, obviously they're not going to win the league. Fourth looks quite distant at the moment. Yeah. But, you know, if they went on a run, you would say that this isn't, you know, this isn't a season where you would say that one or two sides are going to are going to run away with it and be sort of, you know, you're going to have three, four, five, six sides scrambling for that fourth place. I think it's 10 points, is it, the gap at the moment? Yeah, so that's not insurmountable. We are obviously not as far into the season as we normally would be in, in mid-January because of the World Cup. So there is still time. I think it's easy to think we're getting carried away and maybe the, the gap is too big at this point. But it has to be fourth, or at the very least, it has to be um, Europa League football because although I don't want to labour the point about financial fail play, and if you speak to people at the club, they say they still have some headroom there. The fact is that they're structuring their deals over seven, eight years because they need to stretch those payments out over a long period of time. They've spent an awful lot of money, you know, mm. 400 million quid you're talking about over the last sort of two or three windows. And, and that is obviously an unsustainable amount that puts you on UEFA's watch list. It puts you potentially in breach of financial fair play. And if you lose the revenue from the Champions League, and if you use revenue, which is obviously reduced for the Europa League as well, that is going to really put a constraint on them in terms of what they can do in the summer and, of course, their wage bill. Last thing on Chelsea, James, I promise. Any more signings between now and the end of the transfer window? Well, they they did bid for Noni Maduiki at, at PSV. Um, they've obviously also had that bid rejected, or multiple bids rejected for Enzo Fernandez at, at Benfica. So I think they are still looking to be active, but there does come a point where you're going to have to stop signing players and start selling a few. And I, and, I, and I think what they do between now and the end of the window may depend on how many they can get out. They're going to have to get out at least one or two um, if they're going to bring in any more, particularly for big money. Uh, of course, Chelsea in action against Liverpool this weekend. There are two Premier League games at midweek. You've got United against Palace on Wednesday, Spurs against City on Thursday. And James went to the press conference of Antonio Conte ahead of that game where he asked him whether or not he was fed up of being the face of Spurs and being the only one that fans hear from. In England, I think the, um, there is a bad habit that there is only the coach to speak and to explain 
I have never seen the medical department to come here to explain why this uh, uh, player uh, uh, is having a difficulty to recover. Uh, it's the same also, I, I never seen uh, the, 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 the club uh, or sporting director to, to come here and to explain the strategy, the, the vision of, of the club. There is only one phase to explain other situation that I think maybe is better also the club to come here to explain. I think that uh, is good, but this is a habit and uh, I, I respect this habit. In Italy it's different. That is his job, James, and it is his job to be the face of the club. That's what he gets paid <laughs> ridiculous amounts of money, not only to coach this team to be successful, which they haven't been really so far under him, but to answer those sort of questions? It is, but I think it, his, his answer speaks to the internal tension that there is at Tottenham at the moment, which is, I think, what he, what, reading between the lines, what he's saying really is that he's being asked to defend a strategy that he doesn't actually agree with, which is that he wants to sign more proven players who can come in and improve that team now. And Tottenham habitually don't do that. They tend to sign younger players on potential. They don't want to spend um, risk huge amounts of money. It's always been a, a primarily a club that's run as a business rather than as a football club. And that's really why the fans are starting to voice their concerns towards the ownership and to Daniel Levy himself. And I think when Conte speaks about that, he's saying, well, look, you know, I actually agree with the fans. I think we should be spending more money. I do want us to invest in this window. I do want them to back me because I can see quite clearly that we are short of where we want to be. And that is, you know, he's used to challenging for, t for titles in whatever team he manages and I think that's the, the, the awkwardness there is that he's thinking well Daniel Levy does not do many interviews he's, he, I think he's done one newspaper interview in a decade that by the way was with me um, not to brag but it was but Daniel he doesn't he just doesn't speak and Joe Lewis is one of the most reclusive owners of any Premier League club out there so you know I think he's thinking, well, look, if you guys really believe in this and you want me to buy into this, well, then one or two of you should be a bit more publicly visible to sell this vision to the fans. Because at the moment, I'm having to defend something that I don't actually believe in. And, of course, that speaks to the wider issue with Conte, which is over his contract and why he's not signed a new deal yet. So why didn't he sort this out when he came to the club? I mean, he, he was happy enough to come to Spurs, right? So any manager, and, and, and particularly a manager like him, who's actually in a position to demand things and to get guarantees, why don't you, why don't you get all these things before you sign the piece of paper? Well, maybe they gave you promises, you know. But it looks like before you get, well, then that's fine, well, then before you get married, you say everything. Well, do you know <laughs> what, then, Dan? When Conti answers a question, that's all he has to say. I was promised this, but they're not giving it to me. And there you go. Then they get off the hook. Isn't it just Captain Deflecto? Um, yes, given, given my own Hessian uh, experiences in English football, it, it just seems an odd thing to say. That's not to say that it, it may very well be done differently in Italy. And, and if it is, I, I, I sympathise with that. But largely, the manager brings every different aspect of the club together in a way that's supposed to mean results, whether it's scouting, whether it's recruiting. He has a finger in, in every single one of those pies, and, and he's expected to bring it together. Um, but especially when Spurs have been as poor as they, as, as they have, results haven't been anything like you would expect from, from a team that 
is as expensively assembled as that. The football isn't in keeping with, with football, with, with Spurs' own culture and history. You understand why, this, the, why the fans are, are, are getting aggrieved? And somebody is, is going to have to, to face that music. Uh, how does this resonate with you, Frank? Well, it, it looks like somebody who tries to uh, get out of all the responsibilities of the main responsibilities of the result that he has, you know, and get, try to spray a little bit the responsibility uh, to others. Uh, I played in France, you know, it's a Latin country where the chairman comes to the dressing room and start to talk about tactics and talk to the press about tactics and explain to the, to the journalists how the teams should play. It's not the way it should be. I think uh, it's the right way to do in England, and I really appreciated what I saw. I remember the chairman, Ken Bates, uh, never interfered with any coach, uh, any coaches uh, while I was there. I think it was due to the coach to decide uh, what he had to do, to explain what he wanted to do, to criticize the medical staff if he had to do, uh, but not to the coach, uh, to the president, or anybody from the board to express, you know, his. Uh, his feelings about uh, the results of, uh, of, the, of the club. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't like what he does, you know. You know, as Stevie said, he signed and he had everything in his, in his, uh, in his, in his hands to, to create what he wanted. So if he's not happy, he, he, he should be, uh, you know, resentful toward himself and not towards somebody else. Uh, meanwhile, let's head out of London and head to Manchester United, where the big story breaking, uh, certainly in England in the evening, was the fact that uh, Sir Jim Ratcliffe is in the running to buy the club. This is a gentleman who I think is like the 113th richest person in the world. He was linked, of course, to buying Chelsea earlier last year, James. Yeah, and I, and I think um, that is relevant to this conversation because... Um, Rain Group with the, the bank, the merchant bank that um, have been instructed to um, undertake the Manchester United sale, they were also in charge of the Chelsea sale. And what Jim Radcliffe did then when Chelsea were, were available was he kind of bypassed the entire process with Rain Group. And right at the end, he made this cash offer, um, which matched the, the, the one that the Todd Bowley and Clear Lake Capital Group eventually um, had accepted. Um, this time, he's stated his case right at the beginning. He's gone to Rain Group as they're trying to assess who's interested and, and to vet people from there. And I think that's significant um, because it shows that he's, he's serious this time, that he, that he wants to get in on the ground floor, do, do you know, jump through the hoops that Rain Group will make every interested party um, manoeuvre through in the next sort of weeks and months. And, you know, the fact that he obviously therefore has something of a relationship with them is good. He obviously knows the Glazer family. He, I think he's on record talking about having met them and trying to acquire the club before when they weren't interested in selling. He is a lifelong fan, which should theoretically um, sit well with, with some of the supporters. Um, I think he's got a very credible case. And most significantly, of course, which I think most Manchester United fans will want, he's got the money. You know, they've been they've been owned by a Glazer family who leveraged debt against the club uh, ever since they well, to acquire it in the first place. They've taken money out ever since. This is a guy who I think is um, Britain's richest man. His, his his estimated wealth ranges anywhere between 10, 12, 13 billion pounds, something like that. And United's price tag will be less than that. So he can afford it. 
And it's significantly as well, I should add, actually, that that Chelsea offer he made, it that was all cash. He said he's got cash in the bank ready to go. So this is not a guy who's got money tied up in other assets or, you know, he's not struggling liquidity-wise. He can put together a serious offer, credible offer, very quickly. There's a lot to recommend him. He's already got a football club in his portfolio, Frank. Nice, what has he done there since taking over? I'm still waiting. <laughs> well, we, ah. I was very excited to see him coming to Nice and changing the club to a, a bigger club, uh, coming from somebody who, who uh, as James said, you know, has uh, all the money needed to, uh, for a French club to be one of the top. Well, Nice is 10th uh, in the league. Uh, they brought back uh, uh, Lucien Favre from Dortmund. He left Nice before to go there. Uh, it didn't work. He's been sacked like two weeks ago. Uh, oh. They got some English players like Ramsey, uh, Barkley. Uh, they got Pepe from Arsenal there. Um, and uh, but well, they do well, but they they're very average, and uh, you can expect better. Um, I guess he's not a big fan of Nice. He's more a fan of Manchester United, and maybe he's going to put more money and more uh, and more hopes on the uh, on the on Manchester United if he if he goes for that. But I'm quite disappointed with what he did with, uh, with Nice uh, so far because we see nothing coming, you know, like we saw with Lyon, with, uh, with Paris Saint-Germain uh, and, uh, and some other clubs. Uh, who, uh, some people bought them and invested in them. I don't see the investments, you know, uh, getting paid uh, really by, uh, by, uh, by the results. Uh, thank you very much, guys. We'll say thank you very much to James. Uh, Frank will be with us on Extra Time, which is always uh, you can check out over on our YouTube channel as the boys stay late uh, to answer your questions. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Jonas Massa has been awarded the Young Male Player of the Year. Of course, a player who plays his trade in Spain. And you can watch La Liga live on ESPN Plus throughout the season. Just take a look at what matches we have for you this weekend. 
Uh, Moussa's Valencia in action against Almeria. That's the Monday game preceding that Mallorca against Celta Vigo. But two big matches back to back on Sunday. Barca against Getafe in his athletic club against Real Madrid. Also this week, we see the return of the Bundesliga. Leipzig take on Bayern Munich. What a game to kick things off. Coverage starts 2pm Eastern on Plus and ESPN2. Meanwhile, it's Messi against Ronaldo. PSG against Al-Nasir. That will happen on Thursday. Oh, Frank, are you excited? I am. Very much so. <laughs> well, well, no, that might be the last time, you know, we can see, uh, we can see that uh, those two, you know, on the same field. So we have to appreciate it, you know, after it's only become a memory. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm teasing about it. But uh, in a way, you know, I, th I think it's nice to see those two, you know, maybe reunited for the last time. Uh, speaking of old players, Tom Brady was in action as the Bucks <laughs> lost to the Cowboys in the wildcard match on Monday night, uh, where he went for a bit of a two-footed challenge. Here. <laughs> Ooh! Uh, What's he even doing? His head, you know his head's completely gone. Just, just red mist. Oh, red mist. Red mist of It's completely gone. <laughs> no red card, uh, though, apparently, uh, for Brady in that situation. Uh, we will say thank you very much to Frank, to Shaka, and to Stevie. Uh, just a reminder, all three will be here in a moment for extra time as they'll be answering your tweets be sure to stay with us welcome into the latest edition of extra time thank you very much uh, for your tweet shaka is here as is steven Fra frank it's been a while since we've seen you have you been well i've been good i've been uh, on stage uh, last sunday and i um uh, I've been working with Kay, you know, and uh, it's been very nice. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to see. What are you trying to say there? All right, thank you, Frank, for that. Much appreciated. It's good. You go to hers for next Thanksgiving. Also, <laughs> <laughs> um, have been on an incredible run, but I checked Stephen today, and they've been playing nearly the same players every game in the Premier League. How long can they sustain this? Do you think they might lose several players to injury? And how badly will that affect them? Well, all of those things are a possibility. Mm -hmm. But I have to think that in a season like this, it reminds me a little bit like Leicester City. That's exactly what they did. They didn't have much of a squad. They played the same team pretty much to a man for the whole season. Didn't have any injuries. Things went for them. It kind of feels the same way. Well, they lost Gabriel Jesus, didn't they? But Enketia stepped up. Well, exactly. So you're stepping then, it's not quite the same as But this. then that same person who sent that in, if you had said, well, Enketia's taken over, would, would have had a problem with it. Sure. But so yes. far... Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm so, buying the Leicester analogy. Well, Leicester played the same team for, for 10 months. Yeah, but Arsenal have had to rotate a bit, haven't they? Well, Leicester didn't. And Arsenal have got a much more successful record in the so past. So if Leicester, Leicester didn't, and Arsenal I have, I just, I just, does that I, mean Arsenal's got Leicester the chance? Leicester, and I'm like, well, Leicester kind of were a 5,000 to 1 shot. They're so, they didn't, have, they didn't have injuries. They, they didn't Arsenal have, have had injuries. They, they've had Jesus who's been injured. Who yeah. else has been injured? Others. 
Who? <laughs> Other ones. Who? Other big ones. One. <laughs> you, you're very negative today. Honestly, I'm not negative. What are you talking negative. about? I'm not negative. It's just during the Liverpool chat. So I've just all of a sudden. Listen to this. Listen to this. Right. All of a sudden. The Leicester City analogy is actually the perfect analogy. Because they've got less of a squad than Arsenal. And they did it comfortably. Right. So why can't Arsenal do it comfortably? It's the same feel. Plus, as you said, your very self. Yes. They've already rotated. Yes. I think as per the Leicester analogy, which I'm reluctant to for Dan to attack me, <laughs> no European football, I think, is, is a big help for Arsenal. Arsenal uh, got European football. They got you, they? Yeah, they got European football. That'll count. Can we rewind? Right. No, don't rewind. Thanks, Shaka. I don't count. European League don't count. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Who who would be their biggest loss? Like is someone like Thomas Party would be very difficult to replace, wouldn't they, Frank? Oh yes. Oh yes. He's the main man in the middle of the park. Oh, maybe Odegaard as well. You know, Odegaard has been the uh, uh, the, the the conductor of uh, of the team, and uh, and even if he's very young, he's the uh, the the captain, and there is a reason why. I think he he gives the rhythm of the team when they have the ball. And, uh, and, and also tries to help uh, uh, defensively. But you're right, a party is the main man for me. Uh, but don't forget, not everywhere, you know, they, they had a very good play. Ramsdale did very well as the goalkeeper and uh, mm. he's been mm -hmm. very efficient since he signed for the club. Uh, Saliba has been a big change and we thought that White will be uh, struggling on the right side, but he made a fantastic pair with, uh, with Saka. So, and, and, and Shaka, we have to name of the players, but Shaka does the job as well. You know, we thought yes, it, would be, it, would, it wouldn't be efficient, but he does the job. But again, yeah, party will be the biggest loss. Have sure. you seen Shaka's big new silver ring? Did you notice that? Ramsdale is the biggest loss. Look at Shaka, it's a special ring. What I've never heard of them. What is it? It's a, it's a, it's a, um, a smart ring. Yeah. There you go. It's a, it's a, come, that one. There you what go. does it do for Aura. you? So it reads your heart rate and monitors all your, your vital signs. Keeps me ticking over, Steve. Wow, nice. Steve, we should get one. Look at that. So what you got? Do you plug it in or something? <laughs> well, I charge it once a week. I have to charge it once a week. So where do you get the information from? It's on an app on my phone. Well, that's that's where it maybe it falls down to you, Stephen. It connects an app on my phone. I, I think if I'm going to kill over, I don't want to know. <laughs> it hasn't got a countdown. I'll just call it. See you later. The ring will tell you. The ring will tell you. Oh, it's got seven years to live. <laughs> right, lovely, very good. It's really fancy. Oh, uh, Frank. Which French player would have a bigger impact on the Premier League if they made a move, Chiram or Diaby? Hmm. I will go for Turan. I will go for Turan because I, I feel there is a bigger personality in his, uh, in his character, in his football. I, I, I knew Jabi from, I think, when he was playing for Paris Saint-Germain, but he had to go away. Uh, Turan is, um, in the, is an exception in the football where we, we don't know him from, uh, from the domestic league. And uh, he, he showed his strengths uh, playing for Mönchengladbach and, uh, and played well for the national team, settled down very easily. And um, yeah, his, uh, his personality, I think, suits better for the Premier League. Shaka, hmm? who's the best midfielder in the league right now? Um, I think 
Odegaard probably makes that claim right now. Yeah. 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 Who would you say, Stevie? So if I'm picking a team... So there's no Liverpool players, obviously. If I'm picking a team... <laughs> do I pick Partey or Odegaard? OK. Or Casemiro, I suppose you could throw in as well. Oh, yeah. If, I, if I've got first pick, I'm going Odegaard. I'm, I'm sticking can we with give, Odegaard. Can, can, yeah. I, can I say Rodri? Rodri as well, Manchester City? You can say whatever you want. Yeah, whatever you want, yeah. that's not the right answer. Yeah, Rodri's yeah. good enough. I think he's, uh, he's very good. I think he's been, uh, he's been, uh, he's been in the middle of the show. park. And uh, Fernandinho <laughs> left, so he did well. Did somebody tell you that on your ear? We're talking about right now, though, Frank. <laughs> Who, you, would have, you would have Rodri over Casemiro, Odegaard or Party. I think I would go for Casemiro. Wow. The impact that he made for Manchester United, I, would, yeah. I have to go with Casemiro. I mean, yeah. it's been huge. John just texted to see McAllister. McAllister? Yeah. McAllister. yeah. Have you seen the Casemiro celebration where he's got the two kids in a headlock? No. That's brilliant. <laughs> Have a look at it. ESPN FC put it out on Instagram. It's very, just, it's very excited. For Shaka, Antonio Conte, mm-hmm. Graham Potter, Frank Lampard, Brendan Rodgers. Who's getting sacked first? Frank Lampard. I, I, I on Frank. Yeah. Is it Everton West Ham this weekend? Yes. Yeah. Stephen and I were having this discussion yes. earlier. I, I am. At West I am. Ham. I am still. I am. I'm a little bit surprised that Frank's still yeah. in the position. Right. I. I, I um, so you give me well, that this. The board can't get to the ground to tell him he's sacked, can it? I'm not allowed near the place. No, no, man. Stevie got For Frank, <laughs> which is more painful for you? Watching Chelsea this season or watching all the Emily in Paris seasons? <laughs> I'm not aware of Emily in Paris. What is Emily in Paris? What is it, Shane? I don't know. Are you laughing? Bro, what is that? <laughs> I just oh, assume Emily in Paris. I, I don't know what show. Emily in Paris is. Uh, I never watched that. I don't know what it is. What is that? Right. You know Nobody that even knows what it is. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's not, 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 not okay. our demographic. Uh, what have you watched recently that you okay, enjoyed, Okay, well, whatever. So, uh, watching Chelsea is enough painful right now. Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> That's I think sure. maybe, maybe we're not the Emily in Paris yeah. there. What, what, have, what have you watched recently that you've enjoyed that you'd like to recommend? Oh, in Paris, I didn't watch anything. I, I, I had right. to watch football okay. because of the World Cup, because of the Premier League coming <laughs> back and the FA Cup. So, I didn't have the time to go anywhere else but in front of my TV watching football. Um, you can watch Frank the Buff in Drôle de Campagne on tour. Yeah, it's very good. Okay. Oh, Tickets are very much still available. Yeah. <laughs> Avatar. Yeah. I saw Avatar uh, recently. They're giving away oh, schools. Like three hours long. Yeah, but it was good though. Really? Time passed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many naps did you have? No, no, no. I was all right. You fell asleep at the World Cup. How could yeah. you stay awake during Avatar? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't fall asleep during Avatar. And we watched, because Malel Man, yes. he was only two or something like that when yes. the first one came out. So we watched the first one during the day oh. and then went to watch Avatar 2 at night. Wow. And I stayed up for both. Six wow. hours. Yeah. Shaka, Shaka, I want to know how much, you paid, how much you paid to go to see Avatar? Because my wife paid 25 bucks each seat. I think it's a lot for movies. How much wow. you paid? How many seats yeah. did she buy? Oh, that's, a, that's a lot. Uh, three. Three. She oh. went with her daughter and her father and they, right. uh, they loved it. 
Uh, I don't want to see fake actors, so I don't want to see Avatar. Uh, that's my point of wow. view, but whatever. Wow, 25 so bucks for cool. that. I think it's a lot for movies. It's a lot. Normally, a normal, a normal seat is like 12, 12 bucks, you know? No yeah. more than that. Well, yeah. there's pay a 3D more, version, oh. and there's something called real 3D. Right. I don't know what the price is. Price so where did you go, the normal I don't one? Know. I the can't remember. One. Did you go the normal one? No, I went for the really... We have the one where, the, where you can press the button and they'll bring you like food and drinks, which is not a good combination. Yeah, no, no, no. With my nine-year-old because he's. Yeah, now we now we didn't do it. <laughs> Pressing the button every two yeah, seconds. We didn't do making it. demands. And what are you watching, Stevie? Home Alone at the moment? No, YouTube. YouTube, go TikTok. <laughs> YouTube, TikTok. YouTube uh, shorts. Right now, right. TikTok. Yeah. He's not joking, by the way. No, no you know Dan. Dan, you know yes. what, Dan? You, you, guys, you have to watch the man in the high castle. I love. Love it. The, the man in the high we castle. Okay. You know, All right, beautiful. Well, that's better than Emily in Paris. There you are. Okay. That rings a bell. No. Okay. I never heard about that. All right. Okay. Uh, that's it. That brings us to the end of today's show. Uh, tomorrow, Manchester United are in action. They're away against uh, Crystal Palace. Might be at home against Crystal Palace. I don't really know. Uh, and then. Are they in Europe? They're not. They're away. Are they away? Yeah. Okay. And it's uh, City Spurs on Thursday, which we're looking ahead to. Brainstorm. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Microwave. Air conditioning. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash FC, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash FC now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash FC.